Welcome into another edition of the Checkerboard Chat. I am your host, Ryan Shumpert, joined with the new co-sports editor of the Daily Beacon, Ryan Cruz. Here in segment one, we're going to talk a little bit of Lady Vols basketball. Big win on Monday, big game Thursday night. So Ryan, let's just dive right into it. 15-3, and three. What, what have kind of been your takeaways from this team so far? I think, you know, they've gotten... It's been a real diverse team effort. Uh, you know, it's a shorter roster, but everyone on that roster has contributed, uh, especially this past week in the Alabama game. Uh, there's definitely con- contributions from a lot of players on the, up and down the roster. Uh, I think specifically it benefits from having a player like Renaya. Uh, the Alabama head coach in her postgame presser uh, specifically mentioned that they tried and felt that they had done a good job of uh, keeping Renaya below her uh, normal averages, which in turn opens up opportunities and space uh, for everyone else. Yeah, absolutely. And in that Alabama game, what a crazy game. Tennessee really seemed to be in control, and then Alabama came back only for Renaya Davis did a crazy shot. You know, what What did you see from uh, that game and from the Vols? I mean, yeah, you know, uh, looked to be, you know, an easy Vols win there in the first half. Uh, and then Alabama started to pick it up in the third and then slowly, you know, with about five minutes to go, it was right there neck and neck. And, you know, you would have thought, I'll, you thought I'll, with about two minutes ago, I probably would have said Alabama would have won that game, had the m- momentum going. Uh, and even then that last shot, I thought there was n- no way uh, we're not even, almost didn't get that shot off. Uh, but then the fact that it went in, uh, just – you know, great shot, uh, lucky there. Just she comes with lots of practice, uh, and then of course, you know, Alabama had a desperation shot that nearly went in right there at the actual buzzer. Uh huh. After after that, with tips to the second, and it almost had a little bit of a, it had a little more of a broken down play to it, but it had a little bit of that Damian Lillard step back to beat the Thunder uh, in the playoffs last year. It's a little bit of what it looked like, kind of the same spot on the floor. Well, I'll, I'll ask you this. Tennessee right now five and one in conference play, a great a great start no doubt, but wins over two and four Missouri, one and four Alabama, zero and five Ole Miss, two and four Florida, and two and three Georgia. With the one loss coming close to a good Kentucky team is four and two. How much of Tennessee's strong start do you think it is them just playing a little bit of lower competition, mixed with how much of it do you think just how improved this team is from last season? I mean, I definitely think, uh, you know, the, the worst competition makes it easier. Uh, but, again, you know, they, they played well in the Notre Dame game. You don't upset the number 15 team in the nation by playing bad. Uh, you know, the Texas game, the Stanford game, they, they seem to rise and fall with the competition they play. Uh, so, they'll be, definitely be interesting coming up in this game against UConn. Yeah, and it gets very real for them very quick. You know, you mentioned it there. We'll talk about it here in a minute. That UConn game, number three team in the country, and after that they have LSU at home, who's had a good season. They're four and two in the conference. Then they travel to Vanderbilt, who you know isn't great as they, you know, they're not a storied program, but they are better this year. They're better than they've been recently. And then you go to South Carolina and then play Mississippi State at home before traveling back to LSU. So that's going to be a pretty brutal. Six-game stretch coming up for Tennessee. You know, the one game in there you feel pretty confident the should get is Vanderbilt. But even that one on the road, you never know. So it's going to be a very difficult stretch for for Tennessee. And that starts Thursday night in UConn. And, 
you know, a historic rivalry, first time being played in 13 years, a lot going on in this game. You know, this game means more than just the game to a lot of people. But what do you see from, from UConn, and what can you expect from Tennessee kind of in the first renewal of this rivalry? Well, I definitely think uh, motions are definitely going to be high. Uh, I, th- I think the thing to watch out for uh, is for Tennessee not to buy too much into it, to get wrapped up in it, because definitely on Gino Ariema's end, uh, he seems to uh, not only get wrapped up in it all. Uh, he had a quote in the uh, – let me see, I had it right here. Uh, the Hartford, uh, the Hartford Current, where he talks about he compares it to a Broadway show, and that it had its run, but it's over now, and and that I think college basketball is pretty fine without it, and you know, so I, I don't think he's going to get wrapped up in it. I think he's going to treat it as any other game. Uh, I think definitely Tennessee needs to do that same, you know, bring that same mental sharpness to it. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, it's. You know, he's talking about how it's it's run its course, and you know, times have obviously changed. For so much of this rivalry, it was UConn chasing Tennessee, but now the complete opposite is Kelly Harper looks to get her program, you know, in the same level of where Gino Ariambas is. Much you think will be added on to the weight of this game with the comments Gino made earlier in the year following the Vanderbilt game, where he called out really more Philip Fulmer than anybody at Tennessee now for you know not fully supporting Avina Westbrook's waiver and you know talking about how poor the culture was at Tennessee and you know I know he was talking about last season when Holly Warlick was still the coach and not when Kelly Harper's been there but some pretty pointed comments from Gino earlier this season it'll it'll certainly be interesting to see if anything plays out I mean I, I can't ex- wouldn't expect Kelly Harper to say anything before the game I maybe if they get a win a little jab or something but you know an interesting little storyline the the keep keep going along with that. Jordan Hurston, SEC freshman of the week. She's been one of Tennessee's best players this year. How did she get it done for Tennessee this week in her two wins? I mean, she just plays with a lot of aggressiveness. Uh, you know, starting to learn to play within the system, uh, and just it seems from what Coach Harper's talked about, it just seemed to give herself into the team, taking doing the work, just slowly getting better, uh, and just creating for her teammates. Letting team with Craig Furge kind of fitting in there. Question kind of more overall about this team. Renaya Davis has been a star. She's had a great year. Jordan Hurston's had a you know number two player in the country coming in. A freshman, you know, what season you'd hope for, what you hope for when you have number two player in the country coming in. She's been excellent. After that, I think that's really where you see the losses A Green. There's not a ton of other legit scoring options on this team. You know, Ray Burrell does it a little bit, but when Tennessee's starting to play some of these better competition and tonight where Renaya Davis or Jordan Hurston can't get it going, who for Tennessee has to step up? Uh, you know, I think definitely Cassie Kushkidawa, uh, should, young freshman that has been coming along. Uh, uh, Tamar Key, uh, also going to be key. Uh, both those two. Uh, but I think, you know, everyone – the rest of the bench develop, uh, just making sure that everyone brings it, steps it up, uh, and then just continues to trust in the system. And, you know, as Kelly Harper grows in her roles, head coach here, too. 15 and 3, whatever, right? Yeah, 15 and 3. Harder stretch coming up, really starting to figure out just how legit this Tennessee team is in Kelly Harper's first season 
what has to be the key during this difficult stretch? What does Tennessee have to do well to pick up two or three win, three wins in this difficult five, five or six games they have coming up? I just think you know they're just gonna have to press, uh, and they're gonna have to realize they're gonna take a couple losses coming up here soon. But continue to trust the system, continue to press the boundaries. Uh, you know, like the the uh, Nealon, as Coach Nealon used to say, you know. Press and the breaks will come our way. You got to keep on going, and you know eventually, with work and just you know continue to get better, uh, and just hopefully to build on this for next year. All right, that will do it for segment one with me and Ryan Cruz. I will be back in segment two to talk about Tennessee's win last night over who did Tennessee play last night? Ole Miss. Go and blank Ole Miss. Be back in a minute. Welcome into segment two of. The checkerboard chat. I am Ryan Shuppert. I am back to talk a little bit of UT basketball. The Vols went two and zero in their past two one and two, or excuse me, two and one since I've talked to you last. Coming off of wins against Vanderbilt on Saturday and Ole Miss on Tuesday night, the Vols got to face two, the two worst teams in the SEC so far this season, both the Commodores and the Rebels remain winless. I'll start talking a little bit about Vander, the Vanderbilt game on Saturday. Tennessee looked like they were in a dogfight there in the first half. Could not find any offense. They were up 21-20 to 20 at the half, but Vanderbilt ended the first frame on a 7-0 run where Tennessee did not score for nearly the last seven minutes of the half. It looked like kind of the worst of what we've seen from Tennessee offensively this year. Just not making shots when they're open, turning the ball over. A lot of simple mistakes, but a flip kind of uh, script kind of flipped in the second half. Tennessee had probably their best offensive half of the season in the second half against Vanderbilt. They shot 67% from the field, scored 45 points, and they would go on to cruise past the Commodores with a 21-point win, their largest SEC win at the time since last year's home opener against Georgia where the Vols beat the Bulldogs by 45 points. I think takeaways from the Vanderbilt game, one had to be Jordan Bowden seemed to get out of his slump a little bit. 21 points, he played well in that one. John Fulkerson and East Ponds were both steady front court mates in that one. They both scored 12 points for Tennessee. And the Vols really looked to attack, attack the basket. Shot only eight threes in that game. They had shot... 24 or more every single SEC contest prior to that one. And it was clear Barnes said, no more of that. We have to attack the basket. We have to put pressure on the defense. And that's what his team did. Now, I don't know if you can expect Tennessee to be able to put pressure on defenses and have the same success that they did against Vanderbilt. I don't think guards that can create dribble drive action is the strength of this Tennessee's team. But like I said, Vanderbilt isn't a very good team. And you have to start somewhere. You have to be able to do it against somebody, and they did it against Vanderbilt. Jordan Bowden did it well, attacking the basket. Josiah James had a couple of nice takes to the rack and scores. Santiago Vescovi had a couple. He had a finish at the basket and then had a couple assists where he was driving. And that's, I think, a step in the right direction for this Tennessee offense. Look, they're going to be limited. They're not going to be great. But they have to find ways to, to give themselves a chance, to give the, their, themselves a chance on the defensive end to win them games, because that's where Tennessee's going to win games. They're going to win games on the defensive end. But you have to give your defense a chance to do that, and Tennessee had not been doing that this year. They did that Saturday night against Vanderbilt, and 
the defense won them the game. They gave up 45 points. They shut down Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt shot just 24% from the field. I mean, that's you don't see many marks for an SEC game for a team shoots under 30%. And, you know, some of that goes to Vanderbilt. They're not very good right now. I mean, they weren't a great team to begin with, and they lost Aaron Naismith, who is one of the top three, top five players in the SEC. He was leading the league in points with 24 points per game. Likely going to be a first-round or low second-round draft pick in June if he elects to go pro. So without him, I mean, you talk about kind of how Tennessee lost Lamonte Turner. This is the significant version of that. I mean, Aaron A. Smith was not the Commodore's point guard, but they he was their all and everything on that team. Everything ran through him. He was the engine that got them going. So that was a, a tough but you have to give Tennessee credit, too. Tennessee played outstanding on that end. They threw a little 1-2-2 full-court zone at him. Less of a trap, less of a press, more of just a little bit of make you slow down, make you run a little bit of off the shot clock, shot clock before you get into your offense. And they did run a little bit as a press there early in that second half as they sparked a run. They went on a 10-0 run right out of the gates. They got six points off of quick turnovers from Vanderbilt. So you saw that immediately have a little bit of a, of a benefit. They ran it against Ole Miss last night, Tuesday night, and had success in it, less of a t- way to turn teams over against Ole Miss. But Ole Miss has some experienced guards. Guard play is certainly the strength of that Ole Miss team. We'll get to the Rebels in a minute, but back to the Vanderbilt game. I think the biggest story of the, of the night, or one of the biggest stories of the night, was Vanderbilt's 0 of 25 performance from beyond the three-point line. Vanderbilt was one of two teams, as well as UNLV, to make a three-point shot in every single game since the introduction of the three-point line back in the 1986-1987 season. Vanderbilt had hit a three-point shot in 1,080 straight games entering Saturday's contest. With the way the game has changed, I think it was a uh, streak that a lot of us felt like would never was never going to end. But 25 missed threes for the Commodores. It was also the most missed three point or most three pointers taken without a make in an SEC game. So Tennessee ends the streak as Vanderbilt goes 0 for 25, and the Vols exit the mid-state with a much-needed win Saturday night to move them up to three and two in conference play, and they were able to get to four and two in conference play last night, beating Ole Miss. A comfortable win, 20-point-plus win for the Vols. Ole Miss jumped up to a 2-0 lead. They led again, I believe, 6-5 and 9-8. Didn't lead after that. Tennessee was able to stretch the lead to double digits early, or about midway through the, the first half, and they led by double digits the rest of the way. It was John Fulkerson. Tonight, he was the star of the show. 18 points and 10 rebounds for the Vols. Redshirt Jr., Career high in points, he had 16 of them in the first half, did it on 8 of 9 shooting. (coughs) And that's really the John Fulkerson Rick Barnes has been yelling at a mirror for, yelling at a wall for all season, saying we need need you to be an offensive threat. And they got it on Tuesday night against Ole Miss. And look, you looked at Ole Miss's team, I mentioned they have some experience in the backcourt, they have some talented guys, Brian Tyrese, one of the best guards in the league, but their front court is lacking, and Tennessee had them 
beat in size at a lot of times and certainly in skill, and Fulkerson had it going. Tennessee did a great job of attacking, you know, coming up, doing some high ball screens. Ole Miss, they knew Ole Miss wanted to hedge hard. Ole Miss hedge hard. They slipped some screens with Fulkerson, and they did some quick rolls, able to get him some good looks. Great job there by Rick Barnes. You know, it's one you, I have I have the utmost respect for Kermit Davis. I think he's a great coach. You look at what he did at Middle Tennessee State, a tremendous run there. A great first season at Ole Miss, the way he was able to get them back in the NCAA tournament. He received SEC Coach of the Year honors. Very deserved. I, him and Rick Barnes, I thought, were the two most deserving coaches for that award last year in the SEC. But I thought that was a very questionable decision Tuesday night to hold up with the strong hedges. Tennessee's three-point shooting has not been great. They don't have a whole lot of guys that are really off-the-dribble three-point shooters either. You know, maybe Santiago Vescovi's the one guy who has shown the ability to be a good off-the-dribble three-point shooter. But nevertheless, I would not have been hedging hard against Tennessee's guards. But they were. Tennessee took advantage. And Tennessee played a great game. It was probably the most complete game they've played all season. You know, they shot 49% from the field, 18 assists, the second most they've had in conference play, and then a season low of eight turnovers. It was the highest assist turnover margin that the Vols had had all season long. And I know that something Barnes has to be very happy about, that eight turnovers is a good mark. That's a number that I know Barnes wants Tennessee to be at. We'll see if they can sustain that level of success. You know, obviously I said that was the, the, the season low. Life's going to get harder for Tennessee with the teams they play here coming up here really shortly. Um, we'll get into that matchup Saturday in a minute. But a step in the right direction, something I'm sure Rick Barnes and his staff are pleased about. Euros Plastic made his debut for the Vols. The free Euros movement ended as the NCAA granted the Arizona State transfer immediate eligibility. Last week, he's now played in three games. Showed a little bit of offensive ability, flashed a little bit of offensive ability, scored five points again in the loss at Georgia and then has scored four in games at Vanderbilt and against Ole Miss, those two wins. I think what I you have to be, if you're Tennessee, pleased with what you've seen from him offensively. Has pretty good touch around the rim, has some nice little moves. Defensively and rebounding, I don't think he's what fans were hoping for, expecting right now. And he's he's far from a finished product pro, project. He's just a redshirt freshman, but only three rebounds in that Georgia game, one against Vanderbilt, none last night in 11 minutes. That's something I'm sure him and Eric Barnes will be having a conversation about. And he doesn't move his feet great. He's not the most laterally quick guy. And, you know, you've seen some teams, you know, go high ball screen and really attack him, and he struggled with that when you get him away from the basket on the defensive end. But a lot of that is something he'll get more comfortable with as he plays more at this level. Some of it are things he's just going to have to deal with. He's going to have to find the best way to attack, the best way to play defense. But certainly showed some potential. He's not the savior that I, you know, fans I think were hoping for. But realistically, I mean, there's certainly some good signs. There's some things you like about what you've seen from Placic in his first three games. And he's a guy that should get more comfortable, should get better as this season goes on. So moving ahead now, we get into... A big matchup Saturday in Lawrence, Kansas. It's the Big 12 SEC Challenge, and the Vols will be faced off against the best team in the Big 12. They will go on the road to number three Kansas. College game day is going to be in the building. ESPN primetime matchup. Four, five Eastern tip, four Central time tip. 
it's uh, it's one of the big premier matchups of the weekend. And you look at it, you look at Kansas, you look at what Tennessee's done this year, and you're saying it's prob- probably going to be one the Jayhawks win rather handedly at Allen Fieldhouse. And then at the end of last night's Kansas-Kansas State game, things get a little chippy. There's a fight, there's a brawl. Kansas player has a chair above his head he's about to throw. As of this time, there has been no official announcement on any punishments for his players. I know Bill Self, Kansas' coach, after the game last night said there would be discipline at the time of this publishing. There may be some discipline. But that certainly makes that that trip for Tennessee Saturday a little more interesting. If a couple of Kansas' main guys are going to have to be suspended, it becomes a pretty winnable game for Tennessee. And especially you look at how college the college basketball landscape this season is so even. Anybody can beat anybody for the most part. You remove a few of the best players from a team. That can completely change things. And certainly if Tennessee beat Kansas without some of the best players, it doesn't carry as much weight. But it does give Tennessee a chance to get a marquee win, a win that they need, really need if they're going to have much of a chance to make the NCAA tournament this season. I think it's a little bit of a long shot. They're on the outside looking in. But a win Saturday would certainly go a long way. And we'll have full coverage of that and all Tennessee basketball information and news at the UT Daily Beacon. We'll move to a little bit of football talk before we hang it up for this week. David Johnson still his position, you know, he went to Florida State a couple weeks ago. He coached running backs, his spot still open. No other staff changes. A little bit of a surprise there. You know, stuff could still happen. We could see stuff probably all the way past the uh signing date here in the first Wednesday of February, but Jerry Pruitt seems to be taking his time with that position. Three names, you know, you kind of continue to see rumored out there. Jay Graham, the former Vols tailback and running backs coach is at Texas A&M right now. He's a hot name. Really think people think that he may be willing to jump ship with Jimbo Fisher to come back to his alma mater. He's a guy that's paid over $500,000. It's going to cost Tennessee a check to bring him, but a really good recruiter, a really good running back would be an impressive hire. Other names, Monterio Hardesty, another former Vol, played running back for Tennessee in 2006 to 2009. Had a great senior year on Lane Kiffin's lone team. Really was the centerpiece of a, of a pretty good offense Lane Kiffin had in his year in Knoxville. He was, he's been you know on an off-the-field role at Tennessee, and he was the running backs coach at Charlotte last season, so he's got a little bit of on-field coaching experience. He's a North Carolina native. He has ties to that state. He has ties to Virginia. Those are areas Tennessee's really trying to hit hard in recruiting, and a guy that's probably not going to cost you a whole lot coming from Charlotte. So he's another name to watch out for. Joe Osvet, currently an off-field role at Tennessee. Would be a little more surprised to see him get that job, but someone that I think certainly could possibly do it. We are getting down into the final few weeks before the signing period. A little bit of drama this past week in Jay Hardy, the talented defense alignment from Macaulay, who was committed to Auburn but didn't sign in the early signing period, kind of opening the door to Tennessee to you know, get him back on campus. It comes out that he actually had signed with Auburn during the early signing period. Austin Price of VolQuest.com had that story, had that news on Saturday. Hardy family was kind of trying to say they hadn't signed. 
Not sure the reasoning there. I don't know if there was some malintent towards Tennessee. But he is off the board. Florida athlete and cousin of Lamonte Turner, D. Beckwith, was on campus this past weekend. That's the guy at the top of Tennessee's board right now, the tight end. Three-star on a couple sites, four-star on a couple others. Visit went well. That one seems like it's going to be a Tennessee 4-1 down to the wire with Kentucky kind of being the dark horse team. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Checkerboard Chat. Thank you for joining me and Ryan Cruz as we talk Tennessee basketball, football, and Tennessee women's basketball. Y'all have a great rest of your week.